0: Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for clicking the play button and listening to the 17th installment of our chapter chat. We're in the book of Acts. This is Acts chapter 17. Jason, long time no see. It's been so long, Josh. It is nice to be with you. It's great to, <laughs> to, to finally see you again. Uh, a sight for sore eyes. As we are uh, looking at uh, the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions, And uh, we come to chapter 17, that much like chapter 16, there's um, some memorable things, there's some memorable passages in here as well that we, you know, you hear quoted and uh, recited from time to time, but it'll be nice to kind of sit down in those passages in their full context and just kind of uh, see what was going on uh, when those things were said. So in chapter 17, uh, you'll remember that uh, previously, Paul had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. So he's working his way through some of these more European territories now. And in chapter 17 verse 1, we come to the city, the city of Thessalonica. There we go. So I was going to start talking like Mike Tyson there for a second. <laughs> uh, so verse one. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, those are great names for cities. Those are fun. Yeah. They came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, we noticed in chapter 16 in Philippi, there evidently was not a synagogue. Uh, Paul's custom is to come to a new town. Uh, Hey, is there a synagogue? Jewish folks there you know, people that are worshiping God and, and reading from the Old Testament scriptures, uh, that's always just a good starting point. Find some, some Jews like that. Verse 2, And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, hey, so we've got at least three weeks here mm-hmm. working here with these folks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. I love the, the the words that Luke uses here in verses 2 and 3 about to describe Paul's preaching and teaching. He reasoned, he explained, he proved. I don't know if the numerical standard uses some, some other synonyms. Giving evidence. Gives evidence. I like that yeah. even better. Um, all of those things just kind of point to the fact that uh, Christianity starts in the mind. It, it is intellectually based. Preaching and teaching, while yes, th- there is an emotional component to it, and certainly anybody who's ever heard me preach, preaches knows that there's lots of emotion and fire and all those sorts of things, sometimes even tears and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really where the, the the power of the gospel is. The power is in uh, how it, it, it registers and it, it, it hits the mind and it causes us to, to think and it requires us Uh, to think uh, and and do that reasoning and explaining and putting the evidence uh, together and in this particular case he's putting all those pieces together for for these Jewish folks to show them how the Christ you know this Messiah who'd been talked about in the Old Testament that that the suffering that he endured uh, in order to be coronated the king that's the way that it had to be which again was totally kind of the opposite, I think, of a way, the way a lot of Jews were thinking. That the Messiah was going to come in just this regalness and, and, <laughs> and you know, the kind of power that you know, just carries itself in this strong manner and riding on a white horse and you know, looks the part. Um, no. The Christ, He actually was going to come and He was going to suffer. His kingdom would be crowned with blood and thorns, but He would rise from the dead. And he says, "Jesus is the one who
1: fits that description. He is the Christ." It'd be interesting to know exactly what scriptures he used and how he mm-hmm. did that. you know I, I think we do see some of those sermons in Acts of, of how Peter did that and how Paul did that even. you know maybe a little Psalm 16 action mm-hmm. with, you know the you know, won't let your holy one see corruption and that right and um, isaiah 53 but i just i wonder how many places can you go and, and there's a lot i mean the old testament if you look through it with with the eyes of christianity we can see jesus yes in almost any passage yeah you look at and so um you wonder why all that old testament scripture was there you know should oh th- maybe this is something this is a complete side point but should christians today study the old testament I think so. I think we see a lot about our spiritual heritage—that course of study you can look at—but there's a lot that we learn about Jesus through what was written about him before, and I think that that gives us more evidence to realize that he is legitimate and that he is, and that that's why it's it's logical. It's a reason thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You see all of the prophecies about Jesus that were fulfilled in him, even us being Gentiles. You know we don't have that Jewish Old Testament background that these people did, uh, but I think we can appreciate that too um, if we'll take the time to actually look into it. Um, it is impressive how Paul will approach an audience based on what uh, what will appeal to them, um, because this this group, yeah, their scriptures that's what they would go to and that's what they would study hopefully and that's what they would look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in this this chapter we're going to have like three different groups of people who he approaches, uh, two of them in many of the same ways, but with different results. But uh, then there's another group he's going to approach in a much different way. He doesn't use the Old Testament scriptures, and we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. But I think it is important to note that here.
0: Uh, the, the word that's used there in verse 3, explaining, um, I, I was actually, I got my little E sword in front of me, and I've got the where I can click on the the Greek words. That word, yeah. explaining, actually means to open up, as in in this case, to open up the mind. Yeah, and it, it actually harkens back to chapter sixteen when it talked about how you know God opened up Lydia's mind and heart. Um, again, right. connect that to here. How you do that? It's with the scriptures. It opens up the mind, opens up the heart. Um, verse four, the response: some of them were persuaded. And they joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. So here's once again, Luke is not shy to mention, you know, women, even in this case, prominent women. I'm not entirely sure who these leading women are. It may be, you know, maybe these are the wives of of you know leaders in the in the city, Uh, uh, or maybe these are women who somehow held some kind of prominent position themselves, R- regardless. Um, it is interesting that once again, it says devout Greeks and then not a few of the leading women. Here we've got kind of some people of, of, of prominence and how that just kind of flies in the face of the way lots of people talk about you know the Bible and Christianity today. Well, that's, that's just for dummies. You know, it's for people that are just naive and you know just need something to, to busy themselves with. In the Bible, th- that's not the case. Well, we see there were people who were of 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 stature and people, you know, important people, movers and shakers, who yeah. you know, intellectuals type folks. Um, many of them, oftentimes, were were the very people who were the most receptive uh, to the gospel, and that's I think that's evident here in verse four, verse five. But so even with the successes, there's a mix. But the Jews. Were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. Oh, I think we just saw this in the previous chapter. <laughs> uh, it, it, can, it's different, it its a different—it's a different kind of mob here, um, set up by different—a different set of folks. It's the Jews who's worked this up? Uh, but they formed a mob and they set the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So evidently, the uh, this brother uh, Jason. Um, Yeah, yeah. obviously a good guy. You know, and it's funny because I always think of Bible names, and I never think of Jason being a Bible name. And lo and behold,
1: thanks, Josh. Here we are. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Joshua
0: is such a profound figure in the in the Bible. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, Anyway, and I get beat up. You do. Uh, Verse six. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authority shouting these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also and Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king Jesus let's just say something about the statement that's made here uh, the accusation that's made in verse um, 6 these men who have turned the world upside down Um, I have heard preachers and I'll go ahead and confess I've been one of them who have used this expression in a positive sense, that hey, those Christians in the first century, they have turned the world upside down. <laughs> Acts seventeen six says so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't mean it in a good way, right? Um, and they weren't talking about you know these people. Well, boy, I tell you what, they've just set the the world on fire with the gospel, and God bless them for it. No, what they're saying when they say they they've turned the world upside down, and then of course then what's said in verse seven, uh, they are accusing these folks, Paul, Silas, and and whoever else was among them, um, they're accusing them of fermenting rebellion against the Romans. You know, these guys are bringing political upheaval. You know, when they say they're in verse 7 acting against Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus, you know, they weren't thinking about that. Oh, yes, a a spiritual king, yes. Uh, Okay, we understand. No. They they think they're talking about there's another king who is you know he he takes the place of Caesar and that we need to you know not listen to Caesar etc etc. Um, they're they're making a political statement here and um, of course once again just as we saw in Philippi the accusations that are made here are not true. Certainly there are things about the gospel that do conflict. With what maybe a government um, does, um, or you know, the sometimes the laws conflict with what God's law teaches. That 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 does happen. But as far as what these early Christians were about, no, they were not seeking to to overthrow human governments in order to advance the kingdom of Jesus. Um, but that was misunderstood, you know. When you're you know, lots of carnally minded folks, uh, it's easy for them to uh, think in those terms. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know who it was that maybe made the statements in verses six and seven. If this was these Jewish folks that were saying it, or maybe just over the course of the mob kind of breaking out, that this is just kind of what started being the scuttlebutt. Yeah. Um, but it's false, I guess that's what I want to say in summary. It's, it's a false accusation.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. I think that's important to note here. Um, just a side point, and this doesn't really matter at all, uh, but the pronouns have shifted again yeah. in this chapter. Verse 1, they traveled, Right. Uh, seeming to indicate that Luke probably stayed in Philippi. Probably. Um, and interestingly enough, I think later on when we get to Philippi again, we're going to see us. Um, and so I, I think that's where he is. Yeah. Um And so that's that's just uh, just why why the change from we and us to they and them.
0: And there's a pretty good chance even uh, here, and and possibly even when they were at Philippi, uh, Timothy may have even been with them, even though he wasn't mentioned uh, since the you know since the first part of the chapter when you know when it said that Paul had had wanted Timothy to go with them. Yeah. Uh, he may have actually been with them because when we get down to about what is it here? I saw his name, verse fourteen. Um, we're going to see. It says that, that Timothy remained uh, there. I think that's mm. mentioning about Berea. Right. So even though Timothy's not been mentioned, he maybe has actually kind of been there in the background. So we've kind of got sure. kind of a rotating, you know, cast of characters here with with Paul along the way. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, something I, I will say about what you, what you said, the, the you know, turning the world upside down mm-hmm. thing, and and that sometimes I think we try to uh, we try to go too far in the opposite direction. Uh, and we we try to not upset the order of things, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm going to introduce you to Jesus, but I'm going to do it in a way that you don't have to change anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's not going to disrupt the way that you're living at all. Yeah. You know, I I want to just invite you to be part of this like club that we're in. Um, we want to make
0: it so palatable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know that's that's not the approach either. Right. You know, we're not set out to overthrow our government, but we're not set out to uh, just pander to the crowd and, and just let them dictate how, how we approach them with Jesus. No, sometimes we realize, you know, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my disciples would fight. That's true. But sometimes because the kingdom is not of this world, when we share that with people who are worldly minded, it is going to upset them mm-hmm. and it's going to cause some issues. Um, so we don't need to shy away from that. Uh, but again, yeah, we don't need to be uh, trying to stir things up either.
0: Yeah. Um, let me just say about the, the, the Jason fella here, just to let's give you a little bit of shine before, we, before we just dismiss this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the text doesn't tell us specifically that he was a believer, but I'm going to assume that he was. I think that maybe is a, a worthwhile inference to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may be that the, the the other believers and kind of the beginnings of the church here in Thessalonica are, are meeting in his home. It seems like there there's maybe some good evidence for that, yeah. uh, and he puts his neck uh, on the line here. And um, mm-hmm. and we get you know there's been several of these just kind of people that we just meet just one time, just kind of in passing, and we don't know a whole lot of details about, but we see their their contributions were important and. Uh, They maybe didn't even think much of it at the time themselves and certainly had no thought that their names would then be recorded in God's Word for all time for us to then learn from and be encouraged by. But I'm encouraged by guys like this uh, that make their uh, just kind of brief cameos for a moment and then they're kind of off the page. Actually, let's just finish that little section, verse 8. And the people in the city authorities, they were disturbed when they heard these things, the accusations against Paul and Silas and the others. But when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Uh, and so, you know, essentially <laughs> bond money gets put up uh, to, to yep. let them go. And, you know, we're going to see that pretty quickly Paul and Silas are going to leave Thessalonica. There may have been some thought for Paul that, all right, you know, for the protection of, of our brother Jason and other, the other believers here, that just for right now, it's just best for us to to, to kind of you know, step away for the moment. Um, yeah, we were able to get a get our toe in, get get some things, you know, going there. But uh, it is time to go. I did want to note that in the Thessalonian letter, and of course, we're once again kind of seeing connections to other books of the Bible and how all this works. In First Thessalonians, the the first chapter. Uh, he talks about, uh, verse 4, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, all right? so there was the, the preaching that Paul was doing, but something that Luke doesn't tell us here, but also it came in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. I, I think that might be an indication that they, they also did some, some miracles and things of that nature here mm-hmm. uh, to help confirm the word. And I just kind of wanted to just point that out, even though Luke... You know, he's, he's made that point again and again and again. It's kind of at the point where, again, it's kind of well-established, so he's not going to keep repeating things. We know what the custom was. Um, but but the, the working and the showing of, of God's power through them, through the Word and, and in other means. Um, verse 10, anything else before we leave Thessalonica? Well, I mean,
1: verse 9, the the pledge, that bond money that they that give for the release of, of Paul and Silas... Uh, I think, you know, we shouldn't be looking at that as like it was some kind of a bribe no. uh, to, you know, whatever. But it, it was like, okay, it, this is the price it's going to take to get them out of jail. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as, you know, as part of our agreement of releasing them, they have to leave the city. Um, and so, you know, that's just that's part of it. That's part of this. Um, it wasn't like they were trying to uh, do anything shady or underhanded. Uh, that was just the terms of release, yeah. and they realized, you know, Paul and Silas aren't doing, doing us any good here in prison. There, there's a lot more that they could be doing, and yeah. so it'd be much better for them to go somewhere that they can.
0: It, it also shows as well, like, all right, even though there, there'd been kind of some uh, unfairness in the treatment of Paul and Silas here, yeah. They, they, they still show that, by, you know, all right, so we're going to give this, again, pay this bond in order to for folks to be released and to be able to go. It shows that, that we can still comply w- with our governments and the yeah. things that sometimes are, are asked of us, and it doesn't... It, it doesn't change or affect our 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 Christianity and the things that we we know we need to do and be involved in as Christians. You know, yeah. I, the most obvious correlation is to you know what's gone on. You know, especially here in Kentucky in recent months when our our governor had asked you know that churches you know not meet in person. And I know that that ruffled a, a lot of folks. You know, in the wrong way. And yeah. um, it certainly was not. <laughs> it's not my preference uh, I don't want that but I-, I think there was good intentions behind that request and okay we can still honor that request, be in compliance with what our governing officials have asked us to do and still be able to carry out uh, the things that God expects us to do uh, as a church and as individual Christians you know if, if if the request had been don't read the Bible, don't worship God. Okay, well, that's a different story. Yeah, but Watch. but if, if it's if it's within reason and my compliance can be done, I'm going to do that. And I think there's some compliance going on here with uh, the, the brethren in Thessalonica. With all right, here's what the city officials are uh, requiring of us. Okay, we can do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're asked to wear a mask, I mean, wear a mask. Yeah. What, what's that going to hurt? Like, um, there's a lot of things that might not seem fair, and like this pledge. Do you think that that was fair for those officials to require that? No, not at all. Um, is there any reason that, that Jason or these other guys um, should have felt like, yeah, you know what? I just, I guess we we do need to pay that because that's that's what's deserved. That's what our government deserves. No, not at all. But they they comply. Yeah, they're like, you know, we're we're not going to make a big deal about this. We're we're going to do what. What you ask? Let's pick our battles. Is maybe yeah. one of the things I would say I like about that. all of that. You know, right.
0: let's—is that really the hill that we want to die on? Uh, there, there's much more pressing things that may be down the road that, like, yeah, I'm going to want to fight on, but on on this, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, the mask thing. I remember a brother said this a few weeks ago, and it just was like, <laughs> it, it, it it just the simplicity of it and the profoundness of it. He's like, you can't wear a mask to come to church. And I thought. That settles it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you know, let's just do it's it. Not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's, that. That we get off on a tangent to talking about that because it's it's fresh in in our minds and in the minds of many people here in in Kentucky and in the country. But um, yeah, there's an application there. Uh, so they leave Thessalonica. Verse ten. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went, and not Berea, Kentucky. This is, this is <laughs> Correct. Berea on the other side of the globe. And when they arrived, they went in to the Jewish synagogue. Surprise, surprise. Now, these Jews, verse 11, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More fair-minded, some translation says. Is that the numeric standard? Uh, mine says noble-minded. More noble. I mean, noble-minded. Um they re- well, what was it that caused them to get this you know wonderful description? Well, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Any much differentiation in the American? about the same. Okay, um, just one of the greatest commendations about a group of people in in all the New Testament, and it's something we probably ought to aspire to for that to be said about us as a certainly of the congregation that we're a part of, but even more so just as, as individuals, that I'm, I'm an Acts seventeen eleven person. And I know that that's been kind of one of our emphases, you know, when we do these chapter chat recordings is let's just study, let's just keep studying. And um, kind of the purpose of this is to kind of promote uh, the studying of, uh, of the Word and getting in it. Um, these people were, were all about that, you know. I, I love that it says that they were there was an eagerness in their reception of the word. I know that when I'm preaching and I look out over an audience and I see folks, you know, locked in and, you know, nodding along or giving an audible amen, or folks are, you know, working in their in their Bible, getting to the pages. Man, that is so encouraging for me. And, and even if I'm sitting in the audience and I'm surrounded by people that are doing that, man, that's just an encouraging thing. We're all, we're, we're all working in the text together. Um, there's, um, th- there is that, that, that sense of, you know, sometimes people will talk about, you know, well, how, is, how is preaching worship? It's just a guy up there talking. No, if we're doing it right, <laughs> th- th- there's, there's yeah. action going on with all of us. You know, it's more than just the speaking part. It's the listening and the engagement, and that's what I think Paul is describing, or that's that's what Luke is describing here. Paul had an audience of people who were uh, engaged. When it says they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so, of course, for them the scriptures were not uh, Genesis to Revelation. It instead, would have been Genesis to Malachi, it would have been the Old Testament scriptures. But of course, that's what Paul would have been preaching out of, and. Um, you know making those connections uh, with just like you had done back in Thessalonica and you talked about you know some of the possible texts that he would have used to uh, prove and explain those things um, but man this is great and it's not you know sometimes we even say in verse 11 you know they're searching the scriptures um, you know while Paul was speaking and, and I think I think that probably so anybody that would have had a copy of the scriptures available to them but I kind of even read even more into that, like, I mean, even when the teaching was over, these are people just continuing to try to, to search that and study that out for themselves.
1: Yeah. Man, you, you think about, man, what did, how did Paul screw up so much in Thessalonica that hardly anybody believed and they chased him out? And why is he experiencing so much more success here? He must have changed his message. No, that's not the case at all. He did the same thing. Yeah, you know, in Thessalonica, you saw he was proving, he was reasoning, he was showing them in the Old Testament for at least three weeks. Mm-hmm. Here's here's this passage that says the Messiah is going to be this and that, and um, you know, it, it's there's nothing different in his approach here. The difference is the heart of the people and their willingness to to listen and not just. You don't want someone to obey the gospel without giving it much thought. Mm-hmm. Like, that's dangerous. Because think, if, if you're able to convince someone to become a Christian within, like, two minutes of telling them, you know, that's—how easy is it going to be to convince them otherwise? You know, the next person comes along with something to teach. Um, no, these people, they were invested in this. They, they were making sure that what he said was, was true— um, and they had the heart to do that. Um, you know, if, if someone is willing to study and put in the time and effort um, to... Th- that's why when I approach somebody with the gospel, I, I like to ask them, hey, let's read the scriptures together. Mm-hmm. Because that's something, if they are willing to read uh, and attempt to comprehend, then they're going to be more willing to receive. I know we haven't got to it yet, but there there's a clear difference between... Um, Verse, uh, I think it's uh, where are we at. Um, the small number. Uh, so okay, verse four. A uh, some of them were persuaded mm-hmm. and joined. But here, verse twelve, many of them believed. Yeah. What was the difference? It was because of the effort that they put in.
0: It's it's the hearts. This is where the the parable the sower is is so instructive for us to understand because. Yeah. The seed is the same on all of those different soils, but it's the different types of soils, and the soils, of course, represent the different hearts. You know, in Thessalonica, obviously, there were a lot of folks that had a bunch of rocks and thorns and thistles, you know, in their hearts that was interfering. People that had some preconceived ideas, or people that had some heavy doubts, or whatever else it was that was in the way. Uh, the people that he encountered in Berea, much more in line with the good ground, you know, good soil, uh, ready yeah. and fertile to uh, accept the things that were uh, being taught. And um,
1: But but being Paul, wouldn't you say, well, why are you trying to look it up? I'm an apostle. You should believe me. You know, that was not his <laughs> attitude. <Yeah. laughs> no, uh, like it, sometimes I think we get offended when someone is like, well, I need to look that up. I need to see it for myself. No, we should be glad. <laughs> You know that should be a great thing. Yeah, they did not accept
0: Paul's you know teaching just at face value, and you know I, I've said this before when I have preached. You know I, the first thing I do when I get up in the pulpit is, or, or if I'm getting up to, to to teach class, get your Bible open up, follow along with the text that we're going to be studying. And look at. I don't want you to just take my word for it. Now, if an apostle of the Lord, an inspired man of God, if people no. were even checking him. How much more does that say that people need to be checking uninspired goofs like us? You know, if, if folks that are listening to these chapter chats, it probably be a good idea from time to time get that Bible out. Yeah, you know, check and make sure that what we're saying is is right in line. And if it's not, call us out on that. We, that we would welcome that and be be glad to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be appreciative of that. Uh, but yes. They're examining to see if those things uh, are so, and we just need that same kind of of, of, of diligence and uh, putting that kind of effort, and and all of that ought to be undergirded by again an eagerness. You know, it's not like I'm doing this because I have to. I got to get my Bible out because it's preaching time now. No, there ought to be like an excitement, like hey, we're getting ready to hear the Word of God. I mean, how much better does it get than that? And so. Wow. Um, You can't fake that, uh, that eagerness, but uh, the more that we're in the Word, I think that's where that eagerness comes from. Um, Verse 12, as you alluded to already, the result in Berea is that many of them believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, there's mention once again of prominent women, as well as men, but, lots of those buts in Acts, (laughs) all these high points and then but. Verse 13, But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. We're, we're talking here like, again, it's like 40 or 50 miles. Yeah, and That's not like just a, an hour's drive. I mean, for those folks, if you're walking, it's a couple days probably. We're going to make all this effort to come down. And the word that's used there is the ESV, agitating, stirring up the crowds. These, the troublemakers, maybe that's just the term we should use here, they came there to, to, to make trouble. Verse 14, So the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. And those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So, you know, this may be an indication that just Paul Paul was maybe kind of a, a, a much more polarizing figure. Uh, yeah. Maybe the, his, his style and the, the way in which he presented the word uh, just kind of served as a lightning rod for certain groups of folks. And so there was the recognition that, hey, it would maybe just be prudent to let's, let's go ahead and send Paul on his way. Silas and Timothy, maybe the, again personality is just maybe a little bit different, presentation a little bit different. They can continue to do the work, just going to kind of do it in their their own way and it maybe just does not create as much um, you know agitation and, and, and stirring up from others. Uh, the other thing to remember too about Paul is anytime Paul encountered some of these Jewish purists, I just wonder, if if a lot of those guys just had a particular distaste and hatred for him because of what he once was, I mean, yeah. he used to be, I mean, he used to be our hero, you know. He yeah. was the man, the the Jewiest of the Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, and now he's on the other side of this. What is up with that? And I can imagine that that, you know, maybe was a, a sore spot for you know a lot of the the purists that he encountered from time to time in these places.
1: Yeah, there's probably a lot of that. I mean, Paul is not he's he's not very soft footed. Uh, he's he's pretty bold, and you know, and again we've talked about this before, but personalities are different. Yeah. You know. Um, If you do have a bold personality there are are times where we need boldness and Mm -hmm. we need people to stand up and and be the kind of of person Paul is sometimes we need people who are uh, in more of an encouraging role um, you know more gentle because we all need different things at different times and so um, but you see just because of his personality and and some things about him that made him more susceptible to this. That's why he goes somewhere else and Silas and Timothy, they can still do some work here and be, be good. You know, just because, well, I didn't get kicked out of a city. I must not have done, done what I needed to do. It's like, okay, no, like stop. Um, Yeah. We all have different roles and responsibilities. I'm sure Paul was probably
0: thankful for the fact that he had these couple of other guys who, all right, uh, I'm a lightning rod for some of this antagonism. I need to just slip out. But thankfully, here's a couple guys who can kind of then step in and continue what, what's what been started here and yeah. uh, and hang out here for a little while longer until, you know, when, when it's, uh, time is appropriate, you know, I'll bring them with me to the next spot. But, um, yeah, and it's it's a matter of just all of us, you know, Understanding our, our role in the kingdom. Sometimes I may be at the forefront. Sometimes it's better for me to be in the background. And then later on, maybe, hey, I'm, I'm called to come to the forefront. But, you know, just recognizing that and being thankful that I can be used as a tool by God in whatever way is necessary at whatever time uh, that I need to be called upon. And just be, it's just great to think about the Lord just having this huge toolbox <laughs> and yeah. like, That he can have a tool for essentially any situation. I'm gonna pull this thing out, and that's exactly the tool that I need. You know, I don't have probably don't have nearly as many tools as yourself and other fellows do. But sometimes even when I look at like my ratchet set, and I look at (laughs) here's like you know 50 or 100 different pieces and so forth. my first thought is, I'm never going to be able to use all these, but there may come a moment where I'm going to need that little, that little piece right there. I'll need this little piece right here, and that's what God has. And, and when we look here at, at all of these, not just even the preaching guys, but all of these, again, some of these background characters who are able to be used by the Lord in a powerful way, uh, and we need to see ourselves in that same way and just be ready to be useful for the Master uh, as a useful
1: vessel. Paul uses that language uh, in Timothy. If we only have a hammer, we see every problem as a nail. Yeah. And, and it's not. Uh, we can't have a one-size-fits-all approach with even, and, and we talk, I talk a lot about, well, we both do, about evangelism and, and what, what we need to do. Some people, you you might not be suited to reach somebody. Like, that just might not be your yep. job. Yep, yep. Um, you have somebody that you can reach, and you have those possibilities. Maybe you're a connection. Maybe you you bridge the gap, and you bring somebody to someone who can help. Um, you know, one thing I like to teach people with evangelism something that's easy to start with, and it's kind of difficult with the time we're living in now. But um, you know, if you're at a worship service and you have a visitor, um, it's easy to be to get better at greeting, be able to reach out to people who come and. And be able to recognize, hey, you know, maybe I, I'm not connecting with you as well. Uh, maybe we're in a different stage of life, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I know this guy over here, mm-hmm. right? I know this lady, and, yep. and uh, this, you, you should you should meet Sister So and So or or Brother what what's his name? Um, and so, you know, we we can group together, and because we have so many resources, we can be of more help and assistance. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we don't need to be so individualistic. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, the truth
0: is, I don't know if I've said this on one of these episodes before or not, but I, I have said it from the pulpit many times, especially for the benefit of, of uh, other Christians, there are people that I will never be able to reach and, or even get to you know, first base with yeah. spiritually um, because of the nature of, of what I do for a living. I've found this I've encountered this and I know other preachers have as well that as soon as somebody learns that I'm the preacher, yeah it just sometimes causes some folks to just get immediately defensive you know they put their put their guards up um, you know maybe there's the fear that you know I'm going to quiz them about the Bible and expose how ignorant that they are and make them look foolish on the spot or that maybe, you know the beer that they're holding in their hand at that moment that I'm going to call attention to that and they're gonna have to like apologize to me about that Uh, which the truth is I'm not going to do any of those things um, because I want to try to put people at ease as much as possible but again there's just that kind of immediate stigma that's associated with with with, with being the preacher somewhere and and, which is why you know a lot of times when folks are introducing me like I just had some I had a sister ask me one time she was like you know, when I introduce you to my friend, what, how should I introduce you? I was like, just call me Josh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's a good I, word. I, I, yeah. I don't need you to, to introduce me as, as your preacher or the, he's the one who preaches where I attend church or anything like that. That'll come up, and I'm not trying to hide that. I'm not ashamed of that. But, like, I, I would rather that not be, like, an immediate wall that gets put up, that ends up having to be taken down, and because of that, I haven't said all that. Because of that, what that means is, is that means that you, somebody else, regular Joe Christian, or regular Jill Christian, is going to have to be the one to to, to reach those folks and to, to 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 make those initial steps. If I can be of help, if there's a place for me along the way, I'm ready. You know, I'm on deck. I'm available for that. Um, but it requires all of us. And that's why you know, evangelism can never be thought of as that's purely the job of the preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as, as is evidenced here with Paul, there's just going to be some situations and places where the preacher, it, it just isn't going to work. And it's going to take you, brother or sister, to be the one to, to, to step in and kind of help, kind of maybe carry the, the, the load of that. And get others involved, as you talked about. There's a team aspect to all of this. I like the the, the image here in my mind of there's just this this team with Paul and Silas and Timothy and you know, whoever else maybe had been accompanying them. It's like, all right, all right you guys stay here, and we're gonna go over here, and then we'll all regroup later back at headquarters and and you know have a debriefing and work from there. But uh, just a beautiful thing working together in 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 the vineyard in that way. Yeah, Amen. Um, verse 16. So Paul comes to Athens. Let um, me get this. I think rather famous event where Paul is in this city that is one of the most renowned cities of the Roman Empire, still carries with it even today lots of prestige. I always associate, you know, Athens with think about the Olympic Games and things of that nature. Sure. Um, it is, you know, touted for often being, especially at this time, you know, kind of the intellectual capital of the world. And so Paul is going to encounter some of the the, the, the intellectualism of uh, the Greeks and the philosophies of, 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 of that world. So verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Now, I don't think it was uncommon in Bible times to you know, go through a city and find you know, an idol temple... Or to see idols somewhere, it seems though that in Athens it, there was just it was just overflowing. With the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. you know the expression "full of idols." They were so prevalent that it's as if you know just every person there, you know, was fully in to idolatry. The uh, you know the the, the the Greek and the Roman mythology of the time, Zeus and all of those uh, characters that I know I learned about in seventh and eighth grade uh, in my Latin class, um, which is always interesting. It's neat to yeah. it, just from a story standpoint, but it's all just a bunch of made up, you know, silliness. And that that that's why that's part of the reason you know Paul is stirred up. It's like hey, people believe this and yeah. and they're buying into it. It's their religion. Things that's just fables. Things that are uh, made up you know if you were to ask what is the what is the main sin in in the old testament again and again and again pretty much from 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 beginning to end it, it's idolatry and god takes a special uh, uh, you know feeling of of being affronted uh, when people are involved in idolatry because like i said there's such Foolishness involved in it, um, but at the same time, it is uh, it, it, it's it, it's blasphemy against Him as, as the one true and only God. So Paul is stirred by what he sees, uh, troubled. Verse seventeen. So what does he attempt to do? He reasons in the synagogue with the Jews. All right. So once again, there are some Jewish folks. We got a synagogue. Thankfully, there's some people here who seem to have some understanding of something other than an idol. And with some of the other devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there, um, I, I would just let me just throw this out. Um, I, I tend to think that you know the, the reasoning that he would have done in the synagogue with the Jews probably would have been you know primarily from the scriptures. Yeah. But my guess is is that maybe the the reasoning that he would have done in the marketplace with just random people that happened to show up. Maybe is not necessarily the, the street preacher preaching from the Bible. It may have just been like kind of just conversations about things you know, going on in the world and trying to find connection to then relate that to spiritual matters. That's, that's going to be very evident in the sermon that he preaches uh, you know right. on, on Mars Hill. But uh, I, I think again, Paul would have, would have had a, a, a cognizance of the environment and the difference in different types of people that he would encounter, and, you know, I'm going to meet people where they are and and try to talk to them about things that that they will connect with so that I can then, you know, ultimately teach them the gospel.
1: I think that's important to understand your audience and understand who you're talking to, understand where you are. Um, You know, it's interesting, sometimes, well, there's a couple of, of... Approaches we have that's I don't think what it should be Sometimes I think we look around at the the city full of idols around us and we are not provoked Yeah, Um, I think we just we don't care. We have apathy, you know, we we just don't even Well, we realize what's going on around us, but we just don't care enough to do anything about it to even be moved uh, To say anything to to stand up and do anything Um, but Sometimes we see that and we're upset, and so what we do, we take to social media to complain about it. Mm. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, what's that doing? You know, what, what good does that do? Which is, it's, and, and
0: usually it's just hollering to a bunch of people who are your friends who already believe the same way as you do anyway, so right, it's a net uh, accomplishment of zero. So
1: you get the yes man sort of thing, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, I'm right. Um, you know, what does that do? No, what Paul did is he went to the source. Yeah. He went and he tried to do something about it. Um, it was And he approached people the way that he could. Go to the synagogue to approach in this way. Went to the marketplace where he was able. And I don't think that it was... Our culture is different. I, I don't know that we have the same sort of forum that would be as conducive to that uh, as the open marketplace was. Because Especially in a place like this, because mm-hmm. it sounds like this was a common thing for people to have these open conversations. places where
0: people would go and share their ideas and philosophies especially in a place like Athens that was just kind of known for hey let's sit down and have a real intellectual conversation um, yeah. trying to find those places in our culture today probably is like trying to find <laughs> a needle in a haystack right and, and, and yeah. like you said it seems like a lot of people, well, they think the place to go do that is, <coughs> is, is on social media, which I have found is generally a terrible place it, yeah. to, to have really is. quality conversations uh, that are of, of yeah. any kind of substance. Um, but yeah,
1: um, you're right. It, it, yeah, and, and that's, we need to be considerate of, um, we understand the problems in the world around us, but we also try to understand. How do we approach to help with a solution not just complain about it but to to try and and help people because you know the problem with all of the sin and the the, the things around us in the world is it misleads people into doing those things and which will cost them their soul and so we need to care i think that's important we have to have enough care to want to approach them in a way that's going to be helpful whether that's in a synagogue whether that's you know one on one, and I think we just need to find the approach. Um, we we need to be considerate of that. We don't we don't just say, well, Paul stood on the street corners and preached, and so I, I'm going to go do that and scream scriptures at people and tell them they're all going to hell. Yeah, no, that's that's not it either.
0: I, mean, it's, I think it's a totally inaccurate picture of what Paul was was doing here. Uh, yeah. I, I I tend to think you know he's going about this in a way where he's not like trying to he's not drawing any kind of Undue attention to himself. Uh, for all we know, he may have even learned a lesson or two from the last couple of towns that he had been in. That, like you know, maybe I need to kind of lay low a little bit, you yeah. know, and yeah. um, kind of some learning along the way. Uh, well, verse eighteen. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Um, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not schooled enough. To, to speak about uh, all of the complexities of Epicureanism or Stoicism, to, to sit here and explain what all of those philosophies were. You might, you might have all that at the ready.
1: I mean, all I know is Epicureans more so looked at, you know, find what makes you happy mm-hmm. and go for the pleasures. Stoic is more of the... Uh, you know, we need to deny emotions and and that sort of thing. That train of thought. Yeah,
0: the Stoicism maybe is a little easier for us because we still use that word today. He's yeah, very Stoic. And uh, so anyway, again, it's 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 some people who who they they've latched on to these different just kind of life philosophies that have, and maybe there's some merit to to some of those things. I think even Paul's going to to kind of show when he preaches here in a minute, he's going to quote. You know, from some of their own writings and some of the things that were said by these kinds of people, that it's not that the stuff that these people taught was, was just totally devoid of any value at all. You know, I've, I've, I've read quotes many times from, you know, that Aristotle or some of these other famous philosophers have said that I thought, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that. That's some good stuff there. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they were intentionally based upon biblical principles or just common sense, uh, I, I don't know, but, you know, Sometimes people just, you know, blunder into things. That's a a good piece of truth there. Um, So, uh, as he converses with them, some of them said, well, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So we got all these people that, you know, again, what Paul was bringing was very different to their ears. Mm -hmm. And um, there is an interest... In, in hearing something that was different and new. That's actually going to be said here in just a couple of moments. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't even meant to be a, <laughs> a compliment when Luke records it. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, you know, people has got kind of some wrong ideas, but they are listening to him, and that then leads to verse 19, that they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? you bring some strange things to our ears, and we wish to know therefore what these things mean. Then Luke gives kind of this little explanatory verse, verse 21. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing some new thing. And like I said, Luke records that, and it's it's not meant to be a compliment. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a sense in which we could say that and it could be a compliment. Somebody's like, hey, he's He's open and receptive to new ideas and I want to be open and receptive to to hear others and to consider other points of view about things but th- that's not really the description that Luke's using here these are people who it's it's like they really didn't even have any strong convictions about anything it's just it was just their hobby just to like learn more stuff
1: yeah. just for the purpose of learning more stuff yeah and you know I, I don't know if if you know anybody like this? But sometimes there are people who they just want to hear the the next fad, the next new thing. You know the the and, and maybe even a religious sense of yeah. you know I, I want to hear this idea. Ooh, I, I want this. And um, it's it's more of a I want to intellectually hear these things and, and see what's out there, not uh, anything that's going to motivate me to want to change myself or, yeah. or want to do things. Um, I think expand my dossier of, of oh, here's all, I can, I,
0: hey, I can talk about that because I know about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a, an idea we're, we're very familiar with. Yeah. You know, uh, the person who always seems like they know exactly everything that you're talking about. About everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's an expert in every subject. Um, and so that, that's interesting. But we see here at, at, in verse 18, I, I think it, it helps to see how far they are from the knowledge of Jesus uh, they have no idea. They they call him a proclaimer of strange deities mm-hmm. because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. It seems to indicate there they thought that when he said Jesus and when he said resurrection, those were two different like gods. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like listen to these gods. Um, so they were completely. We talked. I think we mentioned this last week in in chapter sixteen about how the Philippian jailer was at square one with knowledge about Jesus. Well, these people were like negative two (laughs) you know they weren't even at square one yeah um they had no idea of anything that what paul was saying so um this would have been really new to them and i think it shows why they were so interested in at least giving him a hearing yeah at first
0: uh we're introduced here um in verse 19 asking you know can we bring you to the areopagus Mm-hmm. Um, for this uh, teaching and then um, the, the the mention here is is of, of paul you know preaching on 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 mars hill um, the areopagus is not so much a place as it is right. really kind of the name of of kind of the the city council maybe that would be kind of a good parallel for us today this is where all of the you know kind of Important prominent figures in that city or in that town would come together, have you know, maybe judicial hearings uh, and determine, you know, law and things of that nature. Um, it, Paul's getting an audience here with kind of some 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 bigwigs, <laughs> yeah, um, which could be very intimidating. Uh, maybe we ought to say something about that. That like yeah, Paul's going to show some courage here. He's coming to a city where it, he's been stirred in a way that. Whew, man, this is troublesome here. You know, this is—I don't want to say that necessarily he was frightened, but but there was a, you know a, a sense in that what he was seeing was it, it was unsettling, and and now he's then propositioned to come and to speak in the midst of you know when it says uh, verse twenty-two, Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus. Again, we, if we're thinking of this as a as a location. Um, we're, we're, we're thinking in the wrong sorts of terms. In the midst of the Areopagus, is the sense that, like, here's here's all these men sitting in maybe kind of a round formation, and he's right in the middle of them, yeah. you know, trying to address everybody in the round. And um, it, that would be intimidating, I think, uh, to, to some degree. Um, especially just kind of uh, knowing the. the uh, from what he had observed of all of these people and some of his interactions with some of the other locals you know, leading up to this moment. Uh, and so well, let's just kind of look at the, the address to the Areopagus. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Is that the word that New American Standard uses? Yeah. Yep. Um, is it the King James that uses the word superstitious? It is. Yep. Um, I'm not really sure that that maybe is the best rendering of that, because uh, uh, "superstitious" comes across like like it's it's a diss, <laughs> you know. Like the first words out of my mouth when I get an audience talking about, "Hey, <laughs> you're very superstitious," <laughs> yeah, uh, and that doesn't seem like a good way to not helpful uh, as a good icebreaker. I, I think "religious" is probably the the, the better term here. That like, yeah, you you are very religious, you know. I'm hey, from what I've noticed around here, hey, you people. Have a desire for re- religious thought and being. Uh, have that influence your belief system and so forth. Uh, verse twenty-three. For as I passed along and I observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar, an altar with this inscription to the unknown god. So this is great that Paul. You know, maybe it's providential that at some point along the way during that days he was looking at all these different. You know, uh, sculptures and statues and memorials and things that were set up. That he came across one that was just identified as to the unknown god, hmm. and just kind of latched onto that in his mind. And maybe he had even kind of filed it away. And now he has the opportunity. Let me talk to you about that one.
1: Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if if he's he's spent some time. Knowing that he's going to confront some of them, trying to look into what it is that they believe and, and see some of that. Because, I mean, you, you mentioned he's going to mention some of their poets. Mm-hmm. How did he know that? Right. Um, probably, we don't know how long he spent there uh, while he was waiting. You know, probably at least a few days. Probably. And, um, you know, because he was in the synagogue with the, the Jews and, and that sort of thing... Reasoning in the marketplace every day. He was at there at least a few days. Um, that would give him some time to look into that. I think that that shows. Yeah, it's good to look into if you know you're going to be talking to somebody from a certain viewpoint or belief. Uh, look into what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, try to figure out some of it beforehand, so you're prepared a little bit. And you know when we approach people, Paul has such a good approach here. It's like he's not overly buttering them up saying things that aren't true um but he's not offensive either you know he's just he's making a connection with them because they would agree that they were very religious yeah he's commending them for what they're
0: doing right yeah it, it, it it's a good thing to be religious
1: it is uh, yeah
0: and 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 all right again it's, it's not buttering up but it's it, it is kind of the old you know Kind of advice that's given about, you know, before you say something critical, it, it maybe is best to begin with, you know, a compliment, uh, and yeah. you know, don't don't lie, but say something good, something positive, and that's what Paul. He, I'm going to begin with something positive, and it's then true. and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. Um, it, this is this is a, a, in many ways what happens here in these verses is some evangelism 101 <laughs> yeah, um, and and just kind of learning from a guy who is a professional.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: the courage he shows, the, 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 the beginning with, with commending some people for what they're doing right. Um,
1: he didn't just jump into it blindly. That's right. I think that's yeah, something to consider too.
0: And, and, and then once again we see this concept of, of starting where people are and, and as well with what they're interested in. It is interesting that nowhere in this little sermon does Paul you know quote from the scriptures yeah um, it probably would not have meant much to these folks to this audience um, so instead i'm going to I'm going to try to latch on to things that they identify with and let's just kind of build build from there let's let's find the, the commonality um, so let's look at that he says you know This altar to the unknown God. What therefore that you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. We just say really quickly here about... um, The 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 wording that he uses uh, in verse twenty four and twenty five about that he doesn't dwell live in temples made by man or served by human hands this is I think this is a very soft careful way of of rebuking idolatry yeah you know there's a there could have been a much more harsh way to go about that and there's passages in the Bible you know where that is done Uh, and I can't think of the reference right offhand but uh, the passage that talks about you know can it speak? Uh, can it can it hear? And all these kinds of things. And Paul could have yeah. took that approach, but he probably would have quickly lost his audience <laughs> and yeah. lost their interest. Um, but making it clear that this God that I want to talk to you about, he, he didn't need all that stuff. And and he can't be reduced to any of those sorts of things.
1: Um, they would have probably had the idea that we offer sacrifices to these gods to feed them. You know, they like eat the sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, and so Paul's like, you know, you know, he, he, God doesn't need that from no. you. Yeah, he'll be fine. You know, they they were like, we need to appease the gods because you know we offer them sacrifices so they don't get hungry and upset with us and kill us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this know. true. The, the, the true God. Does not rely upon human uh, or depend upon humans for for his existence. You know no. <laughs> you, yeah. the, the, your That's idols cool. do; they require you to do stuff for them. Uh, you know you, you have to, to make them first. <laughs> you have to make them. Yeah, with your own hands, and then you know, at least in the imagine your imagination, in order for them to continue to live, you got to do all this stuff for them. That's not the way that the real God is, and um, he is our this God is the one who actually gives to us life and breath and everything. Verse 26, And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Um, Of course, recently in our nation, you know, there's been lots uh, going on with, with racism and much has been said about that. And... This is a verse that always immediately comes to mind when, when I think about it, for people who, for whatever reason, and I, it's hard for me to even understand how this can still even be an issue in our, in our country and in our world today, but it is. Um, but this verse 26 is one of the first verses that always come to my mind is that we all come from the same God. He formed all of us you know, in the same way from one man, every nation of mankind uh, that lives upon all the face of this earth. Um we are all equal in the eyes of God, um, regardless of the shade of our skin color. Um and we're put here for the purpose. I love what verse twenty seven teaches because it teaches our purpose in life. You know, you think about those great questions that are often asked, where did we come from? Mm. Why are we here? Where are we going? Really Paul answers all of those questions. <laughs> in this little sermon, and the the middle question about why are we here, it's found in verse twenty seven that that, that yeah. we need to seek God, and the good news is, He's not hiding, He can be found, He is there, and He is available to us. He's made Himself uh, known in in so many different ways, and Paul is is trying to articulate that here. That you can find Him. That's the good news here of of, of this message is that. He's not, he, well, he continues on there at the end of the verse, he's not far from each of us. I mean, yeah. just literally open your eyes and you will see evidence of him all around. In fact, even if you can't open your eyes, the fact that you exist, period, is evidence that he's right there.
1: I think it, Paul uses a similar argument in Romans 1 to show that yep. the Gentiles, you know, they have no excuse to say there is no God because you look around in nature and you see God is there. He exists because of what is created, because of how the world holds together, because of the, the symbiotic relationships of organisms. You know, it, it's yeah. like, how, how do things work together so perfectly? How do bees and flowers you know, help each other survive? They do. Um, and God designed that. We see design in, in all that He did. Um, and He's not far from each of us. You know, He's He said you know, Ecclesiastes three, He has set eternity in their hearts mm-hmm. that we'll will desire something greater than ourselves. And so th- I think the the sense in which you know they are very religious, they want to worship something because they realize they need to worship something because it, it can't just be us it can't be all about us
0: we're built it's it's kind of cliched but i mean we are built with a god-shaped hole in our heart and you know people try to fill that with all kinds of things whether it's an idol or you know uh, our modern idols that we make um, but they're never fulfilling and and so there's still that we keep seeking something else. If it's God shaped, then the only thing that can fit in there is God. And um, that passage from Ecclesiastes is a passage I always think about that um, it's, God has made us that way and has constructed yeah. our, our hearts that way. Um, verse 28, um, this is where Paul actually quotes from you know a, a couple of their, their the poets, well-known poets and writers of that time, "For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And so this is a great place to kind of make the point that there is a place for um, acknowledging maybe things in our own culture. Um, And and maybe it's also just kind of a, a good place to make the point that maybe it's even good for us to have some knowledge of what's going on in our culture, true, in order to connect with people. I'm not saying that that means we need to watch every filthy rated R movie or every dirty television show or listen to every, you know, parental advisory, you know, <laughs> album that comes out in order to to be able to reach people with the gospel. But people who just live in a in, in, in a in a bubble and live in a shell and have no knowledge of what is going on in in the world at all. Often find that when they want to go and talk to somebody and maybe want to try to create a religious conversation, find that it's very tough because I I, I can't even connect with you just on like a fundamental personal level. You don't have, you don't even seem to have any like, you know, (laughs) knowledge of the world of the real world in which we live. And um, Paul had some knowledge, evidently, of of, again the, the, the writings of that time. I don't know if. Maybe he'd observed that just while he was in Athens at that time, or just this was this was kind of some well-known literature that had circulated and was just kind of quoted often. But uh, he seizes upon that uh, again as kind of a, a, a connection point to then articulate, hey, there's some truth in what those people wrote. <laughs> those are, those were uninspired writings that now are incorporated into Scripture and have kind of been given some some inspired uh, affirmation. That in him we live and move and we do have our being. Whoever wrote that, he was right. And that we are indeed his offspring? Yep, we are his offspring.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I think that that's a really good point. Um, You know, would it be easier for, for us Christians just to say, you know what? Let's take up all of our Christian brethren and go to some kind of island. Isolated island. And and let's just live as Christians together. Wouldn't that be so much easier? We don't have to deal with the influences of the world and all that. If Jim Jones
0: attempted that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. There are several groups right now that I mean, that's their their sort of modus operandi that they stay separate from the world because you know they don't want those bad influences and all that yeah we do need to stay uh, you know pure and undefiled unstained from the world absolutely but jesus said we are in the world we're not of the world um he doesn't ask the john 17 he he doesn't ask the father to take them out of the world because what would be the point you know the world needs us that's why we're here and so we're not going to be the kind of people we need to be if we are separate and because the thing is it's not all about us um you know why do we want to be evangelistic and share the gospel with other people well in one sense because it helps them find find the lord mm-hmm. and we we absolutely need to do that but ultimately i think the greater purpose of that is it glorifies god that's what god wants that's what he designed us to do and so, if we withhold that from people, if, if we're not actively sharing that, we might as well just move off to an island somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, there, we could go too far on either side of this. We could be the kind of people who, well, let's just enjoy all the culture and never mention anything about the Lord. That's not the way to right. do it either. But let's be aware of the world we live in. Let's let's understand, you know, some of the cultural references around us, so we can use that to connect to people. Hey, yeah, that uh, Supreme Court ruling was pretty terrible, right? So, uh, you know, this earthly kingdom stuff is, is kind of terrible. Let me tell you about a, a spiritual kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, there are ways that we can approach people with the gospel.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the. You think of the water-cooler talk that happens at, at work. I mean, yeah. I, I, I want to be able to jump into those conversations, and maybe it's going to start out where we're just purely talking about you know, some television show or, or some yeah. something that's purely secular, but that, that then again gives us kind of the, 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 the opening many times to kind of do some conversation shifting. And um, Like I said, if, if nothing else... Um, it just helps to build relationship with folks. Yeah. Um, Amen. And so um, yeah Paul Paul understood that there was some, some value in that. and again, this is yeah. kind of another way of him kind of paying a compliment so to speak to these folks who were I mean they were very wrong in, <laughs> in, in, in what they were practicing. but you know what there was some some good stuff in some of their ideas and some of their thinking. and so hey let me let me let me you know repeat some of that back to you and I want to then expound upon that verse 29. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold, or silver, or stone. So all these idols I've been observing—that's—that's that—that's that, not who God is. An image formed by the art and the imagination of man. Um, th- this is kind of now where, all right? So Paul's done some building up, and this is now where he's going to kind of just say some some decisive truths um, that there's no compromising here about this. Verse 30 here's a tough statement the times of ignorance got overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent we've noted several times in, in, in Acts that repentance is a tough message but it's a message that must be preached Jesus, John the Baptist preached repentance, Jesus preached repentance the apostles are preaching repentance sometimes people don't want to do that But Paul does not shy away from saying that is what God commands. Everybody, not just us over here, us Jewish folks, but it's for you guys too. All people to repent, and here's the reason why, verse 31, because he's fixed a day on on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And so Paul actually never in this sermon actually mentions the name of Jesus. I think maybe there's pretty clear evidence that they knew who he was talking about because there was the reference back uh, back in verse 18 that there were people who heard him preaching stuff about Jesus and about a resurrection. Whether they totally understood that then or not, that's that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but... There's a reason that you need to know this God uh, and there's a reason that you need to respond. You need to seek this God and then you need to respond to Him accordingly uh, because there's coming a day when when we're all going to have to give an answer to Him. And um, and I want you to be ready for that. And really, if you just kind of just sum up what what we're trying to, to teach folks, as people struggle for, well, I don't know what to say to people. Here's a good place. Here's a pretty <laughs> yeah. good little... Here's a good little outline. You know, it's pretty simple to follow. You need to know who God is. You need to know who His Son is. And then you need to respond to Him because there's coming a day in which we're going to have to give an answer. We're going to be judged by Him and that's going to affect our eternity.
1: Yeah. It's pretty simple. It is. You know, I I like how He he always points to the resurrection of Christ as being like the piece of evidence. Um, Because... How do we know that there's going to be a judgment day? How do we know that there's going to be all of this stuff that happens? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. If, if he can show that he has power over death, there's literally nothing that is not under his control and authority and power. Right. And so in order to... Pl- we, our goal should be to please him. And we need to submit to what he says. Um, and knowing that he taught that there's going to be a resurrection, that there's going to be a judgment day... I mean, he's proved by by that very action that that's going to happen, um, and and Paul wasn't just saying that. Uh, oh, by the way, this happened in secret, but you you got to believe me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. It's the evidence for the resurrection is there. We we just need to find it.
0: Yeah. And it's 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 the reason I think part of the reason is it's found in essentially every single one of these sermons that we've read in Acts is because it is it is the thing that validates the message yeah. every time. Uh, there's no greater evidence that could be given uh, for for who and what we are than than Jesus's resurrection from the dead. Uh, that's that's the sure. thrust of a lot of what First Corinthians 15 is talking about. Sure. Um, we're going to notice here kind of the mixed response, and really we get, there's three responses then given here, and really these are the pretty basically the three different types of responses we can expect when we're talking with folks. Um, Verse 32, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. I'm trying to say sneered. Sneer, Uh, yeah. So, all right, there's some people that we're going to talk to and try to share this with, and they're going to reject it. You're going to laugh at it? Nope, not interested, don't want it, get away from me, you're an idiot. But others said, we'll hear you again about this. Now, I mean, I can't judge the sincerity of that and people who said that, but but generally speaking, there'll be folks like that, kind of interested in what you said. I, I, we'll, we can talk again sometime. All right, I'll take that. That's better than the first one. That's better than the outright rejection and mockery. Um Verse 33, so Paul went out from their midst. Verse 34, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So we see here that there were some who did uh, respond favorably uh, to the message here and became believers and actually kind of began to to, to join him and to uh, tag along with with Paul for, for some period of time here. And... You know, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, it's, it's one of those three that, that we're yeah. going to be greeted with. And uh, I guess i just say that to just point out that sometimes the fears that we have about evangelism, a lot of that is kind of wrapped up in, in fears about the response that we're going to get. You know, what if they say this and what if this happens? There's one of three ways that it can go. Yeah. Either there's going to be rejection which is going to happen. Jesus said that it was going to happen. He told his apostles that that was going to happen, but warned them up front about that. Um, People that will accept, that's great, that's wonderful. And you have folks that kind of fall somewhere a little bit in between. And I mean, we deal with that in in every other aspect of our life, you know, about different things. So um, I'm not really sure why we allow those fears that are mostly just kind of imagined and dreamed up Uh, many times to control
1: us and and prevent us from doing what we what we know we ought to do right and i think that just seeing so many examples i mean we see it over and over again if the apostle paul had people that rejected him then we know that people are going to reject us You know, we don't need to to get down on ourselves. Sometimes we try a little bit, and and, and what we do is we're like, oh, okay, I'll I'll do this thing, and we we talk to one person, and they don't listen, and then we say, see, doesn't work. I shouldn't do it. Yeah, it's like no, you found somebody who doesn't want to hear. Okay, so you found somebody in that first category. Uh, why don't you keep going and try to find more people in some other categories? Yeah. Um, now we, we don't have like an exact breakdown of the percentage of people that are going to fall into each category. It's not going to be like a 33.333 percent people are going to be in this category and then that one and that right. You know, uh, I mean Jesus says narrow is the way uh, that that leads to to life. There are few that find it.
0: Yeah, most people we encounter are going to be in category one. Or or, even or two. two, yeah,
1: and then two is more of like an apathy thing. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, maybe some other time. Yeah, um, but we we have to realize, yeah, people are going to do that. People are going to have those ideas, and and there there's so many different reasons why people have those reactions. Uh, you know, for this particular reason, a lot of the the Greek philosophers had the concept of all matter is evil, and so our main goal is to be separated from any kind of physical existence, um, and only live on some kind of like spiritual plane, um, which that the idea of the resurrection would have been crazy to them. It's like, why would we want to be resurrected? You know, yeah. that doesn't make sense. We want to be separated from all physical things. Um, and so like, you can see why some people don't do that. When we bring the gospel to people, sometimes we're bringing a lot of times what we bring is something completely different than what they have grown up believing or what they've been taught. And so, yeah, some people are just going to outright reject that because it doesn't align with what they thought. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like the Thessalonians. Yeah, Some people are going to be like the Bereans, and they want to search. They want to find out, and, and they want to be part of that. And they'll fall into that category. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a Jewish audience, a Greek audience, whatever. People are going to have those three responses. I, I like how you, you pointed that out. Um, but the people here who listen uh, and, and ho- obey... Um, I, I like how it didn't just say that they, they believed, but they joined him mm-hmm. and believed. Um, so that, that was impressive here. And, and, and another thing about verse 34, when it says, Some men joined him and believed, among whom were these people. It mentions a woman uh, mm-hmm. among the men. So I, I think that that shows it's not every time that the word men is used does it mean only males. Right. Um, you know, when it, verse 22, when Paul said, Men of Athens. Probably just talking about people of people, Athens, yeah. Um, and so again, there's a heavy emphasis on women in the past two chapters, at least, uh, showing that you know Paul was not sexist. The gospel is not sexist. Um, the gospel is not racist. Um, and, and there's there's just this appeals to everyone.
0: It's neat. There's a if you and I've not been. I've just seen pictures of it. But if you go to to Athens today. There is the the little hill that's believed to be Mars Hill, and there's a little stairway leading up to it. And of course, the top is just this big kind of flat spot, which is where the Areopagus would would meet together. But at the bottom of the hill, there's this kind of stonework that's been done, and then there's a plaque. And there, in Greek, is the entirety of this sermon from Acts chapter seventeen verses uh, twenty two through uh, thirty one hmm. uh, kind of mounted there, kind of yeah. and i don't I don't know at what point in history that was set up, but um, you know get on dr moore's you know trip uh, <laughs> overseas, and maybe that might be a spot to to hit up at some point yeah. but this is it's a it's a it's a masterful sermon, and it's very different from again a lot of the other sermons that we've studied before because of paul's recognition of who his audience was and and kind of how he 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 brings them along to his conclusion uh there's there's not really you know, references to, 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 to scripture or quotations from scripture, um, which is in, a, in an interesting paradox. It is now recorded for us as scripture, and so now we can <laughs> right. quote it, and it is scriptural. Yes. Um, but um, again, it was it was knowing knowing the time and the place and the audience and what was going to be most effective. And you know, again, thirty two through thirty four does make clear that yeah, the majority of the folks there that day they essentially were exactly what Luke described in verse twenty one. They were glad to hear something new and then they just kinda went on their way. You know, okay, well we know about this resurrection uh, teacher guy and, you know, okay, well it was filed out of way in the category of, you know, funny stories to tell someone else later on, but <laughs> Yeah. Um but they didn't do anything with it. But at the end of the day, Paul did his job and um you know, even this trip to Athens, it, you know, it really wasn't even like didn't even at least seem like it was necessarily like a planned stop. It's like, okay, I'm going to go over there and really just kind of just go in there just to wait until it was time for you know to regroup with uh, Silas and, and with Timothy. but hey, while I'm here, yeah, let's do some teaching you know, seize, the, seize the opportunity that the Lord has set before us. Um, that's chapter 17. What else yeah. do you want to say about that?
1: Well, man, all these chapters are just so interesting because what Paul did and and how Paul approached people, he invited a lot, I mean, because he was so forward with the gospel, um, you have a lot of these interactions that are just so interesting to us because um, he was so forceful and Mm -hmm. he was so bold. Um, And I think that that causes a lot of action-packed things to happen. You know, his life was a very action-packed life. Yeah. now this is a summary of it obviously because you know he spent several days here a few months here whatever Um, so you don't see everything you just see the highlights Um, but i think this is here for a reason we're supposed to see this Um, and the more we get used to approaching certain types of people the more we're going to be comfortable with knowing how to approach them you know, he he definitely has the synagogue thing down. How to approach the, the Jews and people who follow the scripture. I mean he had his list of scriptures, I'm sure, that he, he just went to every time. Yeah. Um, you know, this people he had to have a different approach. Took a few days to look around and, and that sort of thing. Uh and so that that's the same thing with us. When when we try to evangelize, we're gonna have to figure things out. We're gonna have to see, okay, if the person is from this background, what what sort of thing should I say? If they you know, if they say this, what should I do? Um, a lot of this it, it's not something that, that we need to be overly concerned with up front. Um, it's not something that we have to just okay, I have to know exactly what I want to say in every situation, no matter what somebody there's, brings up.
0: There's no script. There's no, <laughs> no there's no one size fits all approach. And and I say that as someone who I like one size fits all kind of things. Oh, I yeah. like Me you too. know, like those those knives that you can get that'll have like you know, a, a a knife and a a, a bottle opener and a, a fork and you <laughs> Screwdriver know all this stuff. Yes, all of that yeah. all together. Hey, that that's cool. That's getting it all done in one spot. Uh, the gospel doesn't work that way, and it's because people are different, and uh, we need to have it. it, it, it and it, it's for some maybe it's a gift, but others it, it kind of takes more honing. But we need to be able to kind of read a room, so to speak. And, uh, and then adapt accordingly. We're not going to change the message. The message is going to stay the same. Seed seed never changes, but how it's presented and uh, kind of how we build up to that and all of that, that's, that, that's going to each individual person and each individual group. Uh, Paul is just given us great uh, examples of that. He's the master of, of how to do that in the most, uh, in the most effective kind of way. And, and when I say effective, I don't mean effective from the standpoint of like, you know, that it produced you know massive results um, because here in Athens no it didn't produce you know massive results from a number standpoint but it's effective in that he did exactly what we as sowers and as just disciples ought to do
1: yeah and I, I don't mean to, to say all that to make it seem overwhelming because sometimes I think we do think man if, if we have to have a different approach with every person then there's no way I could be fully equipped for that and you know what? You're right. We can never be fully equipped to yeah. do everything. as, uh, you know, um, are, are are we going to be a Paul? Probably not. Right. Um, are we going to say some dumb things sometimes? Yeah. We're going to stick our foot in our mouth. Are we going to drive people away on accident because you know we're too forceful or uh, you know, we don't we aren't forceful enough? Mm-hmm. If, if we don't, we can't remember certain passages. Whatever. No, we have to be transparent and open with people and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a person. I don't know everything. Now, I think a mistake we make sometimes is we try to portray, portray the idea that, you know what, if, if I don't know the answer, I'll find it for you. Yeah. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes there are no answers. Um, but God gives us the answers we need. And uh, so I, I think we need to be more humble about how we approach that. Yeah. Um. And and just being upfront, honest, and honest. You know, I'm a person. Um, don't be afraid to say I don't know. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's always
0: and 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 that takes some humility. Uh, and, yeah. And 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 I I'm, I'm the older I get, the more comfortable I am with just saying that I don't know. But I'll find out. Yeah. And that's always a great response. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. but I'll find out. You know, it may take a few days, but I'll I'll get back with you. Yeah. Um. It's honest. I think that's refreshing for some folks to just hear that and just say, "I'm true. I do, I do not know. I do not have all of the answers." I think sometimes, as Christians and especially as members of the Church of Christ, you know, folks maybe and some of us kind of rightfully do. You know, there's a thought that we kind of have some arrogance. You know, that we know the Scriptures better than everybody else, and we've just got a a ready answer all of the time, and that's great. But uh, it's okay. To say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Yeah, and, yeah that's um that's a good point. Well, that's Paul in Athens, and um, that's we're still here. You know, uh, here on the second missionary journey, we're probably getting a lot more detailed than certainly we were on the first journey. Yeah. Next week we'll pick up in Corinth, and lots of activity happening in Corinth, and and then make our way to Ephesus, um, and we'll we'll once again be able to kind of tie some things to the other New Testament epistles and. kind of gives some background for for those epistles and kind of deepens our understanding when we read those. Um, I'll let you say the final sign-off before we say goodbye.
1: Well, guys, let's just keep studying.
0: There we go. That's our tagline. Let's just keep studying. Appreciate you listening along. We'll pick up in Chapter 18 next week.